World's Finest Podcast, Episode 77. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Sir, how are you? I am fantastic, sir. That is excellent. Excellent. Feeling refreshed, and I know we haven't had an episode in a month, and most of that is my fault because of the house thing and school and all kinds of other shit, but hey, life is good. Yeah, we're here. We're here. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. Uh, I I know we spoke about this off the air, but, you know, let, let's let the listener know. Let's let the listeners know, I mean to say. <laughs> um, how, how is that going, the move and all that? That's going pretty well, about as well as can be expected. My room is completed. I'm putting up some posters and, you know, decorative shit in there. But the living room has absolutely nothing in it, <laughs> but that will, furniture there will come with time. We got a 61-inch TV that my dad gave to me. Wow. Thank, thank you, Dad. <laughs> uh, and we... There was no way for us to get it downstairs because there's only three doors in and out of the house. So we had to ca- carry it around the backyard, right by the pool, and then into the basement. So mm. that was an adventure. Yeah. But, but I've got – I can play Rock Band online again for the <laughs> first time in a year. So that's good. Yeah, I'm really in a very good mood other than the fact that I'm having to record this on my dad's computer at his house because my laptop <laughs> is Dead. Yeah. Earlier this afternoon, James is like, um, I don't know if we can record. And I'm th- sitting there thinking to myself, oh, God, we're already uh, <laughs> been delayed by two weeks, you know? Because <laughs> he's like, my computer, it's broken again. And I'm like, oh, man. So I had this plan where I was going to use Skype to call his cell phone and the audio quality wouldn't be that great. But we've dealt with worse, obviously. Then when I was heading home from work, James sends me a text. He's like, wait, 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 I can go to my dad's house and record from there. And I'm like, hey, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) So that is what we are doing here. Something else we're doing here, or more specifically, not doing here. Unfortunately, we're not going to cover emails today. It simply comes down to time constraints. That's it. I have to get up at 5 tomorrow morning to be at work at 7.30. James also has to... You have work early. I think you said off the air, right? Yep. But, yeah, we just just can't do the email segment. I mean, that's happened before. So, you know, that just means next time we'll have a very long email segment on World's Finest Podcast. Uh, Let's see. What else? Before we get into the coverage of Starcross, I want to remind people about those WFP t-shirts that they can buy that say in continuity and not in continuity. I have my in continuity shirt. Excellent. How does it look? Oh, fine. It really looks good. I like it a lot. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got to meet Will from the forums, you know, DC20. He mm-hmm. was in town for C2E2, the comic convention, and, uh, you know, he was hanging out with me, Nikki, and Nikki's husband, Tim, and uh, he had his, ooh, did he have, I think he had a not-in-continuity shirt, or did he have an in-continuity? I, I can't remember doesn't believe it's in continuity yeah shirt. i think it was a not in continuity shirt and he showed it to me and i thought it looked pretty good i thought it looked really good 
Um, so yeah, if you guys would like to go purchase those, and they do ship quickly. So if you order one in the next day or two, you know, as of the time this episode airs, uh, you can have it just in time for our coverage of Teen Titans in World's Finest Podcast, episode 78. So you can go and buy those by going to earth2.net slash store. earth-2.net slash store. So yeah, get to clicking, people. The construction proceeds as scheduled. We have added humans to the workforce. Are they of any use? They have no technical expertise to speak of, but they can lift and carry as well as any animal. We should complete the project by the target date. Be aware that the Justice League has escaped. Stand ready for an attack. Let them come. It would only be suicide. Keep me informed of your progress. And parent, let nothing delay you. By your command. Humans working as slaves? Unfortunate, but necessary. We are on an unforgiving schedule. And if we're going to finish the hyperspace bypass in time... Bypass? I thought we were building a force shield. That was merely the cover story. So when were you going to tell me your real plans? Or didn't you think you could trust me? Come. For decades, the Gordanian homeworld has been protected behind an impregnable defensive line. But this chain of hyperspace bypasses will allow our armadas to jump behind their defenses and make a direct assault on the heart of their empire. Earth is the last link in that chain. Once the chain is completed, we can attack and wipe out the Gordanian threat forever. But if we open a hole in hyperspace, it will destroy this entire planet. Sadly, yes. For Thanagar to live, Earth must die. All right, so here we are, the season finale of Justice League. Star Se- series finale, at that. This is true. This is the uh, original Justice League se- uh, series finale. And, and uh, potentially could have been the end of the Justice League. Yep. I mean, when they ended this, they really didn't know if they'd be coming back to the Justice League. But, you know, thankfully, thankfully... <laughs> They uh-huh. did come back and gave us the epic JLU, but we'll get into that, you know, in, you know, a few, a few months, months' time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess we'll just jump on into this. I, again, for those who are just just have caught on to WFP, when we have these three-parters, which are essentially DCAU movies, we do a bit-by-bit synopsis, and Mike will interrupt me, and that's fine, because we have all kinds of notes for this, I'm sure, Yes. Yeah. this just absolutely fucking epic mm-hmm. and it's awesomeness is nearly unrivaled i would say <laughs> yeah yeah so that's what we'll be doing so i'll be handling the synopsis and i'm ready to jump on into it if you are yep i'm ready let's go so the part one episode opens up uh in washington dc the justice league is on patrol around uh congress i believe because batman uh, has received a tip from his uh, his sources that uh, terrorists have targeted this peace summit, which does involve Kaznia. Shock of shocks. <laughs> While this is going on, we see Clark Kent is in the uh, in Congress covering it for the Daily Planet, and he has a very funny exchange with Lois. Even though you don't even hear what Lois says, you just yeah. know it's funny. Yeah, you know um, there's a couple of curse curse words in there, yeah. <laughs> because Lois has to cover a sanitation strike instead yeah. of this peace summit. <laughs> Outside, GL flirts with Hawk Girl, even though he's supposed to be elsewhere on patrol. 
we cut to, I believe, an, an air for either an army or an air force base, a command center, and General Wells, who has appeared several times in Justice League, uh, is shown, and there's some kind of bogey, an un- unidentified bogey, heading into DC airspace. They try numerous times to, to contact this thing, uh, but to no avail. And so the Air Force is forced, uh, they're forced to just attack it because they don't know what's going on with it. It could be some missile or who knows what. And they have no luck with this thing whatsoever. It turns out to be a Gordanian cruiser, which, and Hawkgirl notes this because, of course, the Gordanians are the mortal enemies of her people, the Thanagarians. Uh, and the Justice League, too, they have no, no effect against this thing. It starts blasting away at numerous things, and suddenly, from above, a humongous ship utterly annihilates the bogey, the, the Gordanian cruiser, and uh, it crashes to the ground, and, you know, the League stands on the ground, and they're about to have to defend themselves against this much, much, much larger ship, but uh, Hawkgirl stops them, and because she knows that it happens to be uh, an armada of Thanagarian warships, and from the uh, mothership of this armada steps forth a Thanagarian general, and this is where the credits roll. So uh, what are you thinking about this opening here? Did its job, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get this this ship that none of them can take down, and then you get this even bigger ship, and they're all like, oh, fuck, what are we in for now? Yeah. Loved, loved it. Yeah, it's so exciting, but... Beyond that, it's setting up little things that'll happen later in the episode. You know, I mean, they make sure to remind us that GL and Hawkgirl are in a relationship and that they're very much in love with each other. I mean, John's teasing her. You know, he's he's all like, you know, oh, I, I see trouble. And she's like, where? He's like, right in front of me. And then gives her a little peck and flies off, you know. And she's like bad yeah yeah you'd know yeah exactly you know and that becomes like their relationship almost becomes more important than the actual plot of the story but i mean of course this is romeo and juliet as a justice league episode exactly exactly it's kind of why it's called star cost um but uh what was i getting at but you know so it's it was important for them to hammer home the relationship between those two, since it plays a pivotal part of the plot of this story. And as I said, the action is just unbelievable. Um, It's a really great way to start it with just that ship blasting everything. And then, as you said, this armada shows up and just blows it out of the sky. And the league's like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, because you you see in the background, if you look closely, there's thousands and thousands of these Thanagarian ships. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else you want to say about this before we jump into the episode? Or? Uh, no. no right. Okay, so after the credits roll, Hawkgirl eagerly flies over to the general and introduces him to the League. He is Hrotalik, uh, commander of, I, I believe, the entire Thanagarian armed forces. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Hro greets her as lieutenant, and we find out that she has been here on Earth for five years as a spy. She didn't arrive there by accident. But rather, she Liar. was yes, she was an advanced scout. And uh, Ro then says to we get, that we have to skip the pleasantries because he has urgent business with the world's leaders. 
and we cut next to Pro telling the Earth's leaders that the Gordanians, the Thanagarians' mortal enemies, are poised to invade Earth, and without their help, they will most certainly be annihilated. And he says, I understand, you know, you need to talk amongst yourselves about this, but be quick about it, because, you know, we need to get to work. And uh, after the speech, uh, Green Lantern confronts Shaira, and she tells him that she really wanted to tell him about being a spy, but she was sworn to secrecy as a soldier. You know, you of all people should understand that, John. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so... Stick the knife in further and twist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but she's got a point, you know. She, yeah, she, she was just doing her duty, and you know, you really do know it broke her heart to be lying to him and her teammates all these years. This gives us more of a a semblance of a timeline for the DCAU here, because I won't say that the Justice League has been together for five years, but she has been on Earth for five years. And if you go back to Secret Origins, they clearly know Hawkgirl before that episode happens, because Batman says, Hawkgirl, what's she doing here? And mm-hmm. so we can assume that the Justice League has been together for at least two, three years. See, my only problem with that, and I don't disagree at all, but my only problem with that is having seen Tim Drake at Superman's Wake in, uh, what was it called? Hereafter. Was that it, Hereafter? Yeah. Okay. Uh, For some reason, I thought Hereafter was the one with not Cthulhu. But what was that one? (laughs) No, that was uh, the enemy beyond, or the terror beyond. Okay. Because remember, we see Tim there, and he's still the same age, or it looks like he's still the same age as he was in Gotham Knights. So Tim Tim always screws up the timeline. You know, especially when you consider what has to happen to him in the flashback sequences of Return of the Joker, but we saw the Joker in Wild Cards. It's like, wait, what? No, confusing, brain melting. (laughs) Well, you just have to assume that Return of the Joker happens after everything in Justice League, in Justice League Unlimited. Uh, well, the Joker doesn't come back in JLU, right? Correct. So, I think you can safely assume that it takes place after Hereafter, but I'd say before Justice League Unlimited. But I want to say that Barbara tells Terry that because of what happened to Tim, he dissociated himself from all the rest of the heroes. Did she say that? Something to that effect. I don't remember Hmm. an exact line. Yeah, I don't remember her saying that. I'll have to force myself to watch Return of the Joker again. Oh, no, not that. (laughs) The horror. (laughs) But anyways, where where were we? What were we talking about? Oh, so it it set up a timeline is what you were saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, John asks her what else she's been keeping a secret, and lo and behold, Hro walks up behind her. She was about to tell him, too. She goes, well, and then that's when he comes up behind her. So, yeah. Yeah, he walks up behind her, and he kisses Shaira. <laughs> and, yeah. And John's uh, all like, what? And then, who's, who's, uh, what's the guy's name? Hro? Is that how it's pronounced? Hro, yeah. Hro. Now, what's his aide's name? Uh, Lieutenant Krager. Yeah, Krager. Like, he's sitting there behind John, looking at John like, oh, I know what's going on. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that, and this happens several times. You have yeah. to pay attention to Krager's facial expressions, because he, this is how he knows how to track Shaira later on. Right, right. He's uh, reading the body language of her and uh, and John. Crow personally introduces himself to John, and to John's credit, he swallows his pride and shakes hands, and yeah, like you said, Krager is standing there, and Shaira says that she is promised to Talek. And uh, Jill again takes the high road and wishes them well and just walks away. 
Yeah. Uh, poor John. <laughs> My yeah. God. I guess I should mention here that Protelic's name is an anagram of Kadar Hall, the, re- uh, the real, na- real name of Hawkman from Silver Age era. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, cool. Even more interesting because we do get a Hawkman in JLU, yeah. don't we? <laughs> yeah. They, and I know McDuffie and the crew in the commentary for episode three talk about how they could not make that Hawkman, that Protalic. You know, a lot, a lot of people when they first started watching Starcross are like, oh my god, it's Hawkman, it's Hawkman. But no, that is not Hawkman because they can't, they couldn't do that to the Hawkman character, make him be so evil. Right. They, yeah. DC, I think DC wouldn't let them do that. Okay. So yeah. that's why we got the kind of goofy, you know, over, over, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, overzealous uh, Hawkman in the J- uh, JLU. Yeah, yeah. We next see the world leaders discussing what they want to do, and uh, Flash and GL are talking in the background, and Flash is munching on some donuts, and <laughs> GL leaves the room, and he's met first by Batman, who says that, yeah, women are the most uh, the strangest creatures, most mysterious creatures in the universe. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Bruce should just be like, yeah, I've dated Catwoman, who's a burglar, Talia Al Ghul, who's a terrorist, that chick from Mask of the Phantasm, who was a murderer, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get women, you know? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but this is great because Batman is Well, women. he hasn't done it yet, but I guess at some point he'll technically date Rachel Ghoul in Talia's body. Oh, God. You just had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, so this is great because Batman is giving GL advice about women. And then Jean Jones comes up mm-hmm. and gives him more advice. He <laughs> says, yeah, I know this is painful for you. And the Flash just puts the icing on the cake by saying, who's involved? <laughs> Wait, you and, and Hawkgirl? Get out. Seriously? <laughs> um, go totally back. oblivious to everything. <laughs> right, right. And see, that's the point I kind of want to bring up here is this, again establishes a little bit more of a timeline too because John and Shaira they got together at the end of the wild cards episode right yeah and then they're together in the christmas episode and this clearly takes place post winter but i'm not quite willing to say spring it could be like the last few weeks of winter because there's no snow on the ground and they're on the east coast they're at dc so there would be snow there so considering well, I guess Wild Cards took place in Vegas. So let's say that was November. Then we get the Christmas episode. We got December. Let's say this is March or April. They've been together like five or six months. Mm-hmm. So they're, again, they're establishing how much time has taken place between the end of Wild Cards and Starcrossed, which is cool because, you know, again, timeline. But it does kind of show how thick the flash is that he hasn't picked it up in that amount of time. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's a bit clueless, yeah. <laughs> and next we get a little bit more insight into the Thanagarians as a whole, because Green Lantern wonders why Jean has never read Shayer's mind, and Jean says he couldn't, literally. He can't read the minds of any of the Hawk people. And, uh, and of course, we pan- here we have to pan over to Batman, which automatically means that he's suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It means he's more suspicious. Batman's always suspicious, sir. This is true. <laughs> This is very, very true. Oh, that's something we didn't mention at the in the beginning of the show. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt this to plug Earth 2.net the show, but 
We should have mentioned episode 400, for those of you that don't know, of Earth Dent at the show. That was a, that was a weird thing I put in the middle there. But anyways, um, <laughs> has officially gone up, and that is the episode where James, Ian, and myself did review Batman Begins. So go over there and check that out. Yes. Yes. Uh, how long? Was, what was the final cut? It was like over four hours, maybe four. Oh God, it was like five hours, wasn't it? No, 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 no. The, the raw recording was almost six hours, but I think I edited it down to four and a half. Uh, and I don't want people going like, oh my god, he cut out an hour and a half of great content. No, yeah. it really was like two 15-minute piss breaks, you know? And just <laughs> So there was a half an hour there, and the other hour that I cut out really was like lots of ums and uhs and maybe little tangents that didn't quite, that kind of slowed things down even more. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to go check that out, earth2.net. Uh, I don't think it's on the – in fact, I know it's not on the main page anymore, but just click the link that says Earth on the left-hand side of the page, and you will find that. So, yes, or get it through iTunes. Anyways, sorry, I had to plug that. <laughs> well, uh, of course, sir. Yeah. So the world leaders do accept the Thanagarians' help, and they begin building what they claim is a massive force field generator in the middle of the Gobi Desert with the, the help of Superman, Jean, GL, and Flash – but before this happens, we get a small cut to Shaira and Pro in, I, I guess, their quarters in the in the mothership, and Pro is kind of trying to re-woo her, to coin a phrase, because yeah. <laughs> he gives her her favorite, you know, delicacies from Thanagar, and Krager interrupts them as right as uh, Pro is about to lift up her headdress and. Um, and it, and it, that mirrors when John took it off at the end yes. of Wild Cards. That mirrors. I mean, it's not a perfect mirror, but I think that's what they were going for there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hero is naturally pissed off about this, and it's like, dude, cock block. What the? Pretty fuck? much. <laughs> He's like, I had orders not to be disturbed. Like, duh. What did you think I was gonna do? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and at this point, this is where Shira leaves the room, and uh, Hero's telling her to uh, go back, I guess, amongst... I, I can't remember what exactly he says here, because Shira oh, has to go he, back to the back to the Earthlings. And, yeah, because the Earthlings have accepted the help of the Thanagarians, he wants her to be like an emissary. Ah, uh, right. You know, just be a go-between, since she knows them, and they trust her, you know, to just kind of help ease the transition. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And this, this is where Krager first starts to openly question allowing this to happen because Shire hasn't been psychologically evaluated and uh Hero is like, You needn't worry, I will be keeping a very, very close eye on her. And by the way, <laughs> mind your own fucking business, buddy. <laughs> I love the way he says I'm going to be keeping an eye on her very closely. Mm. <laughs> and he's like, wow. Then the, the mood changes because he's like and fucking mind your own business. Yeah. And well because again, mind you you have to assume that Ro hasn't been unfaithful to Shaira in those five years. Right. Where she has been to him. So, you know, he's, he's, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since this dude got laid, and he's just about to, and this schmuck comes in and is all like, hey, whoopsie. The Earthlings have accepted your help. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, that really could have waited like an hour, dude. Seriously. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh. Uh. Yep. Um, so, 
Uh, again, we... You know what? The climax of this episode, it only happens because he's got major blue balls. That's all it is. He just can't get laid, and that's all he wants. If Krager didn't walk in, I don't think any of this shit would have happened. <laughs> he just been like, okay, I got what I wanted. Let's get out of here, guys. <laughs> we were never going to build a gateway. I just needed to t- nail Shaker. <laughs> You may have a point there, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to offer to counter that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then, as I was saying, they start building this thing that they claim is a force field generator in the desert, in the Gobi Desert. And Crow then saves a goat to show Flash how nice he is. Yeah. That was completely unnecessary. <laughs> I, I don't know why that was there. But anyway, we we get to a much cooler scene because next we see Batman and Diana in the Watchtower, and Batman is dissecting the corpse of one of the Gordanian crew while he's talking with Diana. And Diana's like, what do you expect to find? I mean, it's isn't it pretty clear-cut what's going on here? And he's like, you know what, I don't really believe in coincidences because, you know, you have this one Gordanian ship that attacks a major city right in the middle of a peace conference where there's a ton of people around, and then the Thanagarians, you know, coincidentally happen to be there. Uh, I smell bullshit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he find, he tells Diana, "Look, I don't I don't know a lot, but I know that uh, I I know how to spot frozen organs." And he because the he finds that the liver of this thing was frozen, and this means that the crew of that ship was dead long, long before it and it even entered Earth's atmosphere. And the attack on Washington, therefore, is a complete hoax, and the humans have been set up by Crow. Now, see, I got a slight problem with this. As you said, they're already building the generator, and the outer structure, or the generator in quotes, you know, um, the outer structure is almost completed. Yeah, that was, like, uh, seriously? Yeah, so it's it's almost... Because this thing is going to be the size of a city. Exactly, and so... We can take that two ways. Either they got that outer structure done overnight, or a few days have passed, and that's you know allowed them the time to put it up. Here's 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 the the kink in all that though. If it was you know they did it overnight, um, even with the help of the Justice League, I don't think they could do it overnight. So okay, let's assume it took them a few days. Well, then why is that creature's liver still frozen? If my understanding of uh, biology is correct, it doesn't have to still be frozen. You can still tell if an organ has been frozen some way. I'm not exactly sure. But, okay, wouldn't that thing have been in some sort of cold, cold storage, like a morgue, after you know we extracted it from its spaceship and before Batman could steal its body? Because obviously he stole the yeah, thing. Exactly. Because yeah. he's transferred it to the Watchtower. It's not like he snuck into some... You know, government like like the FBI's like Area Fifty One or whatever. I don't even know if the FBI runs Area Fifty One. That was a weird comment. But you know what I mean? You know, yeah. it's not like he's doing it in the shadows. I mean, he stole this thing, so it was probably in a morgue. So couldn't it have been frozen that way? I mean, Batman's ultimately right because he's Batman. But the point is, I just got to assume this thing would have been in a morgue because I think it would have taken a few days to have start to have got that far with the structure. Yeah, there's just a little. There's just some continuity problems I have there. If they, I mean, if we are supposed to assume it's the next day, and they're they finished that structure that quickly, okay, I have a problem with that, but I'll go with it. But that then, 
eases up my problem with this thing maybe having been in a morgue, and that's how the liver could have got frozen. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just no, confused with how much time no, I, has passed. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from there. Yeah. You know, in and of that scene, I love the fact that they're actually showing Batman dissecting this thing yeah. on screen. They actually show the inside of this thing's body. Yeah. You can see, like, the I guess what passes for intestines and tendons and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess because it's a monster... You know, they can get, get away, away with, with it. it. Yeah, I don't know, though. Batman takes it upon himself to disguise himself as Alan Napier. And uh, <laughs> and for our listeners who don't know who that is, please tell th- them. That would be the late actor who played Alfred in Adam West Batman. Oh, yeah, that's such a great disguise. It's awesome. And he actually does the voice, too. The <laughs> Alfred Pennyworth, Alan Napier voice. <laughs> Kevin Conroy, just he's a god. I mean, it needs to be... Restated over and over again. Oh, that's the other thing I got to mention. I know I did that little WFP up that, that little update telling everybody the show was going to be late. But for those of you that didn't listen to it, what you'll want to do is again go back to Earth Two dot net, Earth the number two dot net, and look for episode three hundred ninety three. That was a panel I recorded at C two E two, that comic book convention I mentioned earlier. It was a panel with. Kevin Conroy. It's awesome. It's about an hour long. You guys are going to love it. It's great. So go download that. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the last Earth student at the show plug I have. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, Batman has disguised himself, and he goes aboard the uh, Thanagarian shuttle with uh, several important uh, dignitaries from all over the world. And uh, while in there, he sneaks away from the main group and he ends up overhearing a conversation between Talek and the leaders on Thanagar saying that the Gordanians are closing in on Than- on the Thanagar homeworld and they are nowhere even remotely close to earth. Like Talek claimed to the people of earth and Bru- <laughs> yeah, Bruce is discovered and he tries to get away and he does manage to fight off a few of them and, uh, contact Diana briefly, but he gets knocked out and he's captured. And Diana tries to warn the other leaguers, but at this point the Watchtower comes under attack and she too is captured. This is basically a bunch of uh, more battle scenes happening here because the rest of the League tries to fly off, but they, the Javelin is destroyed. Superman and Jean and Flash are all taken down, uh, respectively. Like uh, Superman gets taken out by this this cannon, this energy cannon that simulates kryptonite radiation. And I can't remember how Jean is taken out. I think he's just electrocuted by that woman. Yeah, that was earlier. John, like he was inquiring about how this thing works. And she's like, oh, you wouldn't understand the properties of nth metal. And he's like, what wouldn't I understand this or that? Like, and she looks at him like, uh oh, like he like, because if he understands the technology, he might start to figure out that this isn't what they're saying it is. So later on, she's like, oh, you want to see how our weapons work? Bam! And she hits him in the chest with, like, one of those, like, electro-axe things. Yeah. Yeah. That's... And Flash is taken out by some kind of gravity beam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out to be that Green Lantern is the last one standing. And he tries to get uh, himself and the rest of the League out of, uh, out of harm's way, but they've put up a force bubble around the entire uh, area, and he can't escape. And Hawkgirl flies down and says, you know, stop, please. We're doing this for your own good. And John just turns around and says, do you ever, ever stop lying? And he's just like, whose side are you on? And he points the ring at her head. Mm -hmm. Just intense stuff. And Shaira just, you know, 
dis- verbally disarms him here and just says, don't you know? <laughs> and so he lowers his guard and she sucker punches him and knocks him out. <laughs> and, you know, Crow and Shaira stand over his body and we, you know, the League is defeated and the Watchtower is under Thanagarian control. And this is where episode one ends. Yes, uh... Two things I, I'd, I'd like to mention here. Uh, we should note that at this point, Shayira is no longer in her hot girl costume. She's in uh, whatever a lieutenant in the Thanagarian army would wear. And also, this neat little thing I noticed is after... Okay, because Superman gets hit with the kryptonite, kryptonite-like laser beam. Then Flash goes over there to like pick his buddy up. And that's when they hit him with the gravity pulse. So, you know, if he has intense gravity on him, obviously he can't do his super speed. When John goes over there, that being John Stewart, and he picks them both up with, like, a bubble, as he's prone to do, you know? When the bubble comes up, it's a perfect circle, as it normally is, except when you get to the point where the flash is, and it dips down a little more, because the flash is still being affected by the gravity. That is cool. I didn't I, even notice that. I have wow. seen this episode, this story, like at least a dozen times and I watched it in th- three times in preparation for this show and I didn't notice it until the final time I don't know like an hour and a half ago or whatever before we were starting to record I and you like, could say that that slowed him down and to a point where he couldn't get out of, get the league out of that force field right exactly exactly because the flash is probably weighing who knows maybe 10 times 20 times 100 times his normal weight and John's got to be carrying that. Yeah, that's probably what slowed him down. Very cool. I yeah. did not pick up on that. So that was an awesome episode, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it does everything you could ever ask for and more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got gripping story, fantastic villains, and the League is down for the count. Believably down for the count, too. Yep. I mean, because these, these people clearly, and I say people in quotes because mm-hmm. they're not, they're hawk people, I guess, but yeah. um, they clearly outclass the humans and the Justice League's alien ranks. <laughs> um, they have planned literally everything in advance. They they know exactly how to take down each one of the leaguers thanks to Shaira. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great. You don't know what the hell is going to happen next if you haven't seen this before. But uh, no, I, I agree with everything you, you, you just said there. And there's, there's just really nothing I can add to that. It's just wow. <laughs> <laughs> It really is wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Want to get into the second part? Yeah, let's go. Part two opens up with General Wells again, and this time he's trying to contact several NATO nations' leaders because, as we find out, the missile systems of every single country on Earth are down. And Hrotalik intercepts the uh, transmission feed and overrides it and tells them that, you know, I am Hrotalik, I am instituting martial law, and fuck you if you don't like it. <laughs> you know, if and listen, if you you obey what we say, our stay will be brief, and you and you can go back to your pointless little lives. <laughs> um, but if you resist us, our wrath will be merciless. I have to note here this: if you notice on the bottom left of the screen, before Crow intercepts the feed, there's six people on screen there that General Wells is talking to. The bottom left square is a young Vilmos Egans, who was the Kaznian Minister of Commerce in Batman Beyond, that was going to buy nerve gas from Derek Powers. Oh, wow. Very, very cool. That is awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check that out later on. 
Yeah, I mean, if you take take a look at him now, he has black hair in in this episode, and then we go back to Batman Beyond, he has white hair. It's clearly, <laughs> clearly the same guy. Cool. And also, I have to note here, I think it's funny that General Wells calls them all gentlemen when there's at least one woman on the screen, maybe two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Next, uh, we see that the League is being placed on a prison ship, and they're going to be shipped off to God knows where. Krager and Shair walk through the cell block, and they walk by each of the cells where the League is being held, and Krager says it was quite easy to take them down since Shaira provided her people with all the information on their weaknesses. And we see... <laughs> and you know, you know that manipulative... Manipu- save the word for me. Manipulative? <laughs> That's it. Motherfucker only just mentioned that there so the leaguers could hear it. Yes. And break their spirits down even more. That's something he could have said to her outside, before, or afterwards, but he waited to say it at that moment... To just hurt them even more, but and Shair too, because he clearly doesn't like her. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that motherfucker is so manipulative, or however it's pronounced. <laughs> hey, good job there. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> and 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 like we said, there was uh, they're all being held in cells that expose their weaknesses because Superman is being held in a red solar lamp room. Diana's tied up by the lasso of truth to a pole. Jean, I'm not sure what Jean is being held in, but he is in his normal Martian form. So clearly it's some kind of device that nullifies his powers. Um, Probably Batman. something psychic that attacks him. <laughs> That's yeah, the only thing that takes him down. There you go. You there know, you go. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, Flash is being held in a gravity uh, beam room where it, you know, again, he's probably weighing like a hundred times his normal weight. Yeah. And then Batman and Jill just simply have their weapons taken away from them. The, you know, Batman doesn't have his utility belt. Your Lantern doesn't have his ring. Oh, I never noticed that his belt wasn't on. That makes sense, though. I should have picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm probably looking a little too much into this, but based on all the experience I have with the DCAU and and whatnot, I have to mention this. If you notice, as Krager walks by each of the leaguers, he gives three different adjectives to describe a specific Justice Leaguer. He calls John Jones weak, which I think is just a way of of the creators acknowledging that they made John so weak to everything uh, during yeah. both seasons. Yeah. He then walks by Batman and calls him broken, hmm. which is, of course, a reference to Bane, literally mm-hmm. breaking mm-hmm. Batman. And then he calls, this is the one I, I laugh at, because he calls Flash uh, useless, which I have to think is a reference to people everywhere who say, Flesh is a stupid hero. He runs fast. How does that help? He's useless. Oh, yeah, because a lot of people do have that idea about the Flash's power. It's sort of like, he can run real fast. What can you do with that? But mm-hmm. they showed you in this show what he could do with that. So if anybody that was watching it at this point still thought that, after seeing you know the two seasons that preceded this episode, they were... They were just, they were just fooling themselves. Foot and mouth. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things you could do with Flash's power, and even beyond his power, they showed you how useful the Flash was just as a character because of what he brought to the team. That being Hart. Yeah, and we should mention not Hart in the Captain Planet sense. <laughs> yeah, not well, he's at all. not uh, Mati. Was that the kid's name? Yeah. Mati. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I remember that? Krager furthers his assholishness by saying that Green Lantern will be the least of their worries because he's nothing without his ring. And he actually holds out the ring in front of him. <laughs> so Shaira then says, don't underestimate them. 
And so Krieger's, Krieger's like, you know what? You're right. Why don't you just shoot them all and be done with it? <laughs> and he sh- he hands her a gun. Yeah. Um, Shaira then holds it, looks at it, and looks at the leaguers, and she's like, no, look, let's just be done with our work and just leave the planet alone. Well, she actually, I think she says that if we kill them, the yeah. humans won't trust us and they'll rally against us in mass. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when she says, let's just do this and then get the hell out of here. And then Krager continues to have that shit-eating grin on his face because he knows that Shire is weak to her emotions. Yeah. Later, Diana fools a guard into trying to feed her. But uh, mm-hmm. this is really funny because he just, he just kind of throws this plate of nasty food, question mark, yeah. in front of her. It's like a tentacle and some eyeballs and God knows what else. And she's like, how am I supposed to feed myself if my hands are tied? And he's like, you know, not my problem. So mm-hmm. she's like, oh, it will be if... Uh, Hawkgirl finds out that you disobeyed her orders. And because Hawkgirl mentions the last thing she says as she leaves the ship is the, to make sure that the league is well taken care of. So Diana's like, don't be afraid of me. I won't bite little man. <laughs> so he walk, he grabs a dagger out of his belt, walks up to, to her and says, watch your tongue woman. I fear nothing. And he sticks the knife into one of those nasty tentacle things and, he pulls it up to her mouth and he says, eat. Hmm. So Diana bites his hand. <laughs> Liar! She bit him! She yeah. lied to him! <laughs> yep. Everybody's lying in this show. <laughs> and this is great because this the following sequence happens in this exact order. She bites his hand, grabs the knife out of midair with her teeth, crushes the guy's pelvic bones, headbutts him, and spits his knife into the control panel, releasing her. Yeah, yeah the pillar Ow. goes down... So, because she's being tied up with her own lasso. Right. You know, a pillar goes down, it just falls slack, and then, yeah. <laughs> um, this might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, please do. Is this the first time that we've really seen that Wonder Woman is like a trained Amazon warrior? Before this, I'm not really remembering seeing her do anything besides standard kicks and punches. Yeah, I mean, I can't, what she did here is on the is on par with something Batman would do. And it makes sense that she could do this stuff because of the training she would have, but I don't remember seeing it before now. Yeah, it makes you wonder why they wouldn't have put it in, like, a like episode like Fury. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or, or, hell, even uh, Paradise Lost. Yeah. I don't know. It, but it's cool. It really is very cool because she, she kicks a major ass on this prison ship and now here we go i have to bring this back up if wonder woman can do all this while tied up to a trained soldier again how did what's his face destroy the the themiscara the the old sorcerer guy when it was being guarded by hundreds if not thousands of amazons ah Uh, i have no idea but again (laughs) that we counted off for that episode Uh. not this one yeah. It hurts. It hurts, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a sinus headache. I might as well have a logic headache. Anyway, so no, that's a totally a badass action scene. Just that scene, because we're about to get a really good action scene in general. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Because Diana frees Batman first, mm-hmm. who uh, ends up freeing Flash and the others. Flash has a great line. I feel like I just ran a marathon on Jupiter. <laughs> yeah, this is just massive fighting all around. Uh, Superman is still weak. He doesn't have his powers. He's just, again, this is like, why is he just 
And then he's like, Batman literally says, lean on me. Yeah. does bother me a little bit, but he does, again, he does, you know, start gaining his powers back as soon as they, that hole is blasted in the ship and he, the sunlight starts filtering and he is able to fly Batman and Flash out of there. Oh, you totally jumped ahead. Well, I'm not, no, I'm going back. Oh, I was going to say, you missed the thing that Batman does to the guy. You're like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) You want to take that? Because my favorite part about this is Superman getting a a hammer. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about is they're sitting there fighting. uh, Superman and this Hawkeye are fighting. Batman comes up from behind with with like an nth metal sledgehammer, bashes the guy's brains in. That motherfucker's dead. I know Batman's got a no-killing stance, but it don't count against aliens, I guess. You know, so watch out, Superman, you know? Bashes this guy's skull in. He then tosses the hammer to Superman. He's like, here, try this. Then Batman picks up, like... It's chain mace. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like my shear she- is mace, but there's a chain between the stick and the ball. It's like, wow. And even John has, like, I think two of those maces or yeah. something. He's everybody's around go- two of them. Yeah, everybody's going to town with the nth metal weapons. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but especially Superman with the sledgehammer. It's like Superman has Mjolnir and he's just like yes. fucking everybody up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, Superman, this is how the hole gets blasted in the ship. Superman takes the hammer and throws it at a guy and hits him right in the face with it. And the, and the guy like blasts up massive hole in the ship and they escape that way now hang on i have to wonder and this goes back to something you just said again you said uh i I can't pronounce it but thor's hammer say it again mjolnir mjolnir okay so you know there's this imagery of of thor like imagery so but the guy he throws the hammer at looks like to me what the true norse thor would look like he comes in he's all big and buff and he's got like a very long red beard Besides the Thanagarians on the High Council that we saw earlier when Batman was disguised as 1960s Alfred, there's no other Hawk people with beards. So I have to wonder if maybe in some weird way they were referencing Thor by giving that one soldier a beard and having Superman throw a hammer at him. It's a stretch, I admit it, but again, the only one that has a full beard. I know a couple have, like, goatees. I think Krager has some facial hair, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, but this guy's got like he's got a manly beard going on there, <laughs> and it, if I remember correctly, I think it's reddish. So yeah, yeah, it is. You know, Thor would be a redhead. He's not blonde like he is over at Marvel. So I'm just saying there might be a reference there. Yeah, and... Superman threw a hammer at a guy, <laughs> <laughs> and John Jones was wielding dual maces. <laughs> yeah, in his Martian form too. He yeah. wasn't even yeah. using his half. Martian humanoid disguise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but anyway. Before, hang on, before we move on out of the ship, something I love in this scene, going back to Wonder Woman, you know, pissing off that soldier, and something we'll see later on in the episode is, I love pissed off, angry beyond belief Wonder Woman. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she she really doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. You know, I mean, this episode really is about John, Shaira, and uh, the the commander, right, whose name I keep forgetting how to pronounce. 
Protalic. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's really about them, but they give they make sure to give all the Justice Leaguers little moments, and they do give Wonder Woman these really choice ones. And you know, it, again, you know, finally they're doing something with this character because really, until recently, they've just done dick all with her. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and, and they mentioned in, again in the commentary that they tried to get you know cool moments for every one of the Justice Leaguers. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, and we'll get to it later, but Diana has some, especially in episode three. Yeah. <laughs> My God. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, like they say, she would be pissed off. The only other woman in the group has betrayed the group, so uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, there's no sisterly love. Well, I don't, I don't even know if it has to do with, you know, sisterly love or anything like that. I really just think it's like, let's say it was Batman that was the tra- traitor. I think she'd be equally as pissed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I don't think it's like, uh, come on, girl, we were supposed to be sisters or anything like that. You know, <laughs> I really just think it was like, I trusted you. We trusted you. The planet trusted you. Man, I hate you right now. You know, that's mm-hmm. that, that's that's all it is, at least in my eyes. You know, if other people want to say it has to do with, you know, the, the only other woman on the team turning her back on the team, I'll go with that, too. So they do escape, and the ship crashes, and... Uh, on the we go pretty much right to a f- just a few hours later. They're on the ground and they're sneaking through the streets of Metropolis, and they just barely avoid being detected several times. It's Metropolis. I'm like 99 percent sure it's Metropolis. The reason I didn't think it was is because they say that Gotham is only 30 miles away. Well, doesn't that make sense? I don't know. Did we ever? I, we've always well, see, questioned that, I, where they are ge- geographically in the DCAU. Right. Well, see, in my my theory from the beginning has always been that you know Metropolis and Gotham are New York and New Jersey. If that's the case, then yes, that would make sense. Yeah. Okay. So that and that's that's what I'm going on. And okay. So I have nothing else to. Uh, I don't really have anything to back it up. But that's just always the impression I've been under ever since the beginning of WFP and before. No, no, and I'll absolutely go with that. The only reason I was questioning if it was Metropolis or not is because. Whenever they do Metropolis, they always show the distinct Metropolis police cars, and I don't remember seeing one, or they'll show the Daily Planet as, like, an establishing shot. I don't remember seeing the Daily Planet either. Um, So that's why I didn't know if it was just a generic city, Metropolis, Central City, or what. But, yeah, we'll go with Metropolis, again, because of the geography thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and later, Bruce says that they're about 30 miles, so you would have to think they're in a place that he knows about, at least a little bit about. So. Yeah. But um, they, the League makes their way into an alley uh, where Superman has recovered enough of his heat vision ability to get Green Lantern's shackles off because yeah. they're still warm. Yeah, like what? <laughs> they escaped in the daytime. It's now nighttime. No one got those shackles off the guy? Like They were worried about being discovered. <laughs> like one woman could have just chopped him or something? I, I got to tell you, I mean, I hate to say it, but it really does bother me that, you know, the one guy who's still shackled, the black guy, like, that's just, no, it's just bad, bad imagery. Just bad. <laughs> you know, she could have tore them off at any time. At the very least, it doesn't necessarily make up for it, if there is something to be made up for, but he's like, could you get these things off me? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. seriously, why do I still have these on? You know, Green Lantern just kind of haphazardly throws them into a dumpster, which Diana uses to block the door that they break through, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, they... oh, wait, you, you skipped something, though. Um, as you said, when they were running around, at one point they're they're hiding in an alley, 
as like a tank kind of like, you know, it, it shines its light down there to look for them, right? The Flash is hiding in a dumpster. Dumpster alert. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We haven't had one in a long time, but we got a dumpster alert in Justice League. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Because <laughs> everybody's behind it, and you're like, where's the Flash? And the lid just pops up, and he's almost like, hello. <laughs> yeah, we're static. He should be helping out the Justice League <laughs> yeah. here. That would have been so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so Diana just breaks open a door, and they sneak into a clothing store, and uh, Diana covers their tracks by pushing the dumpster in front of the door. Uh, and they go inside, and they try to figure out what to do next. And <laughs> Flash is like, oh, maybe they'll get tired and go home. <laughs> the whole league just like looks at him like seriously. And he's like, I know, but some optimism couldn't hurt. And then they say, then you hear Krager or Hotalik's voice throughout the city. He's like, the justice league are fugitives. Anybody found aiding and abetting them will be summarily punished when we find them. And, uh, so flash is like, well, so much for optimism. And Sean or Bruce one says that they need to go undercover for now. It's John that says it. Yeah. And, uh, so Sean suggests that, because they're looking for the Justice League, they should shed their costumes and look like ordinary citizens. And he goes into his John Jones disguise. And Flash isn't too keen on this idea, citing the whole secret identity thing. So Batman takes the opportunity to rattle off one of the single greatest lines in cartoon history. Wally West, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what does so, Flash say? Show so, off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is... I mean, this is maybe, I think, the first truly memorable moment among many, which we're about to get to uh, as the as our episode here progresses. But, yeah, that is just so awesome. No matter how many times I see this episode, I always mark out for that line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love the follow-up to it. When he pulls off the mask, while he pulls off his own mask, and Wonder Woman says, red hair, I like it. And it suits you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it suits you. Then what does Flash say to her? You think? You think. <laughs> like, now, it's sort of like he's kind of flirting with her. Then Batman, or Bruce, whatever you want to call him the scene, throws some clothes at Wally's head, and he's like, get dressed. I think he's jealous that the Flash is hitting on Wonder Woman. Yeah, I kind of thought about that as I was watching this. I was like, hmm. Because, I mean, they've given you these little hints that something may happen between those two, and then later on in this episode, mm hmm, you know, something does happen between those two. But I was like, I really bet he's jealous, and that's why he growled at him. I would not be at all shocked. Yeah. I have to wonder, though, they've been together for how many years and they still never knew each other's identities? Yeah, yeah. Little silly, but still, I don't care. That that line was so awesome, I can forgive it. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, they and in truth, mm -hmm. only three of them have secret identities. Yeah, exactly. So the league does get into street clothes, and they exit into another alley. And oh, 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 hang on, I gotta jump in again. Okay, uh, Diana's clothes, I think, and please, someone write in and correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're supposed to be reminiscent of the outfits that she wore in the, ooh, I want to say the 70s, when she, I think she went powerless for a while in the 70s. And I think that's why they have her in those specific clothes, because that's what she was wearing at the time. But again, my, you know, I wasn't reading Wonder Woman back then, because I wasn't born yet. But um, that that's kind of my understanding of it. So, the League... You know, Bruce says, look, we're about 30 minutes from Gotham City, or 30 miles from Gotham City, and they can rendezvous at Wayne Manor. Um, and they sh say, look, 
John, uh, John Stewart's like, look, they're going to be looking for uh, six of us, not pairs, so let's split up. Then we go cut to aboard the mothership of the Thanagarians, and uh, Ro, I don't know if he kind of accidentally reveals this or just is talking, but he act, he does reveal the true plan of the Thanagarians. They're building a hyperspace bypass generator, and this device will give Thanagar a decisive strategic military strike against the Gordanian homeworld. It's basically a, a massive flank, and the but the cost is it's going to destroy Earth in the process. And Shira is horrified, of course, because she wasn't aware of this plan, and she calls Hro out on it. She's like, uh, when were you planning on telling me your real plan, or did you think you couldn't trust me? I guess it's at this point that the episode has become the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, at this point, the Hawk soldiers are looking through an alley, and they discover the arm shackles that Green Lantern carelessly threw away, and Krager figures out that they are trying to blend in with the populace. And meanwhile, Bruce and Diana are walking down a street, and they see a couple being, you know, harassed by a hawk soldier, and, and Diana's about to jump in and, you know, teach them a lesson, and Bruce is like, no, we can't risk a confrontation here. But at this point, there's uh, some people on a rooftop throwing rocks down at uh, the hawk soldiers, telling them to get the fuck off our planet, and uh, the... Hawk soldier just pulls out his gun and blasts at the rooftop, causing uh, several, you know, rocks and, and debris to start falling down. So Diana has no choice. She flies in and saves the people from being crushed. So Bruce leaps into action and he kicks kicks the guys down from behind. Uh, they start shooting at them, but they then take refuge in a restaurant, uh, thanks to the restaurant owner's help. When the soldiers burst inside, Diana grabs Bruce and starts kissing him. <laughs> and uh, the soldiers say that they're looking for a dark-haired man and woman, but everyone in the place fits the description. That is one of my favorite lines in this entire thing. I mean, you know, the secret identity reveal, great. What Batman does to the Hawk people in the third episode, which I, I won't say, I'll leave that for you, that's great. But just the, the lip... That that restaurant owner gives the hawk people, you know, because yeah, what does he say? It's some, could, what's that? If perhaps you could be more specific. Exactly, because it's it's an Indian restaurant. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, dude, like look around. <laughs> Such a great line, yeah. Yep, and uh, we I should note that uh, the one of the the workers in the restaurant ties a um, mm -hmm. uh, what was it? I'm sorry, I can't. I guess a, a, a bandana or yeah, a, a, bandana a, a, a do-rag yeah. or something mm -hmm. around uh, around Wonder Woman's hair to try to disguise her somehow. And um, the soldiers look at them and ask, what about those two? And uh, the, the uh, restaurant owner is like, oh, the lovebirds, they've been here for hours. <laughs> and they're like, all right, let's move on. So when they leave, Diana stops kissing and apologizes to Bruce. And Bruce, suave as always, says, don't be. It's animated. Like, he's got such a goofy smile on his face. <laughs> like, I know they were trying to make him look all suave, as you said, but it looks so goofy. It's almost like he's thinking, I just snogged a goddess, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> yep. It is awesome. Yeah. 
Um, so they sneak out the, the back of the restaurant, and uh, there's a nice little moment here because, you know, Bruce nods in respect to the guy because, you know, if not for him, they would probably have been killed there. Yeah. So next we see Wally and John walking down the street, and they go to a train station. But the problem is they have no IDs, which are mandatory for admittance onto the train and under martial law and all this stuff. And they're in line, and they're kind of stuck there. If they if they run away, they're going to be discovered. But if they stay there, they're going to get caught with no IDs. Thankfully, Clark and Jean happen upon the station, and Clark goes into Daily Planet mode and pretends to grill the soldiers about what they're doing here. And Jean starts snapping pictures. Where the hell he got a camera from? I have no idea, but I'll whatever. stretch that note off my list. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> John and Wally take the opportunity to get onto the train while the soldiers are distracted. Oh, I got to mention, though, the great line at the end here where after Clark's about to leave and <laughs> there's like, no more questions, go away. And so Clark's like, can I quote you on that? They run off. Yeah. So anyway, we cut to uh, Shaira, who is trying to convince Ro to try something, anything else than obliterating this planet. And it ends up, Ro just starts screaming at her, and he lifts his mask, and he's like, have you forgotten the scars that I suffered in those Gordanian, this, you know, stinking Gordanian prisons for years. I haven't. Mm-hmm. And you can see his face is fucked up. He suffered a lot. And yeah. really here you can start, he starts to become like a Magneto-like villain. One where you can understand where he's coming from. You don't agree with what he wants to do, right. but you can understand where he's coming from. Right, I mean, it, it, okay, because yeah, they say that, you know, they've been fighting this war for generations. So there's this already built-in racial hatred yeah. that he has, but now it goes beyond that because of the way he was tortured. And you're right, it's very Magneto-esque. Yeah, good call. Krager is like, <clears throat> and uh, walks in and says that they have lost track of the Justice League. They've blended in with the populace. And he's like, look, it's going to be really hard to find them. He looks at Shaira, unless you might know where the League is. You were very close to them, after all. She grabs him by the throat and says, if you ever want to see home again, you'll tread lightly, little man. And uh, she throws him to the ground, and she walks away. Krager just looks smarmily at Pro and says, you know, she never really answered the question, did she? So Pro, you know, is like, he actually does. You can see a little bit of concern on his face. You know, I think here you would expect him to punch Krager right in the face, but no, he actually does make a point here. Yeah. From here, we cut to Wayne Manor, where uh, Wally and John arrive, and Alfred greets them. <laughs> Is this the very last story that Alfred appears in? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. And we'll get to this more later, but. What a great way to send him off. Yeah. He has some really good lines. And, you know, very touching ones at the end, too. So Alfred leads Wally and John to the Batcave, where the League is discussing what the Thanagarians are really doing on Earth. And Wally's like, hey, that's a giant dinosaur. And Alfred says, oh, and I thought Batman was the detective. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So Diana wonders why 
the Thanagarians would be building a force field if the Gordanians aren't actually anywhere near Earth. And Bruce is like, look, it can't be a force field. So John Stewart's like, so what is it? Shaira appears from the darkness and says that she knows what it is. And the League is, they're full, fully prepared here to just kick the shit out of her. But she says, look, I didn't come to fight. I came here to help and you know, Flash starts, even Flash starts yelling at her. Yeah. So you know, you know, they they just hate her guts now. But she tells them, look, the situation is a lot worse than you think because the, they're going to build a hyperspace bypass and when they activate it, it will destroy the world and everything on it. And she gives them this, I guess, ISP tape looking thing and Bruce says, we'll look into it. Get the fuck out of my cave, bitch. No, no, really. He just says, there's the door. Shaira then gets some harsh words from Green Lantern, who's the only one who hasn't walked away from her. Uh, She's like, aren't you going to turn your back on me, too? And it's like, no, you know what? The last time I turned, I let my guard down, you sucker punched me. And she's like, it wasn't personal. He just says, keep telling yourself that. So Shaira, she pulls out the power ring and gives it back to him, saying... Look, I did what I thought was right then, and I'm doing what I think is right now. So she gives him the ring, and she flies out of the cave. And the last thing we see before the episode ends is Craig. We we see that Krager has planted a tracking device on her, and she's unwittingly led them straight to the Justice League. Yep. So wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have a I have a question for you. Okay. Shaira knew where the cave was. That means she knew who Batman was. That's really interesting, because obviously Bruce never told anybody, again, besides obviously Superman, who, and he never even told Superman, yeah. Superman took no. a peek, who he was. Well, I guess he told Lois, too, but the point is in the league, you know? <laughs> so that just proves how deep her spying went, that she yep. probably knows that Clark is Superman, that Wally is the Flash, you know? And it's like, wow, that's, that's re- I mean, because not only does she know who he is, she knows, like, the back entrance to the cave. Mm-hmm. You know, because she it's not like she comes it, she comes up over from the side. So she's found some other entrance. It's not where the car comes from or anything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just some thoughts about this one. Um, more wow? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, this episode's awesomeness speaks for itself. The way they take off their costumes and Bruce is, just owns Wally. <laughs> And he's like, look, I know who you are. Shut up and get dressed. And <laughs> just that awesomeness. And we're starting to get even more character development with Shire and Hro. This is where the, the, the turning point of the story really happens here. And I can't, I, I, I've, I've already synopsized the episode. So you know how awesome it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something I want to bring up. This is something we've brought up in previous episodes. When Batman's in the holding cell with the rest of the League earlier on in the episode, he's obviously still got his mask on. Now, at other times during WFP, we've complained that when the foes have the heroes tied up, they never take the mask off. But I'm okay with it here because the secret identity doesn't mean anything to the Thanagarians. They don't care. Oh, I didn't even notice that they did I mean, I knew that they didn't take the mask off, right. but I was like... Right care. Right, exactly, but I just want to bring it up before anybody can send in a message through email or at the forums, be like, oh, how come you didn't mention it? And that's why. It's not like the Joker or Two-Face 
are, are trying to figure out who Batman is. Or, you know, Matchstick or whoever was trying to figure out who Static is. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with that. It's just about they just want to keep these people captive until or until they can probably assassinate them, really. And then, and then do whatever they got to do to the world. Yeah, it literally means less than nothing to them. So it makes perfect sense to leave the mask on. Now, here's a question for you. And, again, you have to remember my really shitty memory. Is this the first time we've seen, in the background of the Batcave, all the costumes lined up like that? Or did we see that in Gotham Knights? Well, I want to say we saw it in Static. But Static uh, runs semi-concurrently with this, so... But I would venture to guess that most of Justice League happens after Static. I know there is some overlap, but I would, I would think that most of it happens after yeah. Static has concluded. And I don't remember for certain... If he, he, we see the costumes, but, but we, we know that Static was in the cave, so I yeah. cannot remember for the life of me. The reason I'm asking is because this goes back to Return of the Joker, and when does all that stuff happen to Robin? Because, okay, assuming that we never saw all those costumes in the background before now, again, chronologically in the DCAU, it would make sense if this was its first appearance, because that means Robin's retired, Batgirl's retired at this point, there's just an old Bruce uh, old Bruce costume, an old Batman costume, an old Nightwing costume there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It would make perfect sense why he started to build that shrine to uh, him and his allies. But if we've seen it before, as you said, maybe in Static, then forget what I'm saying here. But I don't remember seeing it before. Anything else before we get on to part three? No, I'm ready to go on. Okay, let's do it. All right, so the final part opens up with uh, Shaira being arrested by Krager for high treason, and he brings her before Talek, and Talek's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> because he just shoves her to the ground. Uh, Krager just shoves her to the ground, and uh, he's like, sorry to tell you this, but uh, Shaira Hall is guilty of treason. So... He shows Talek a holographic video of Shire revealing their plan to the League and her giving Green Lantern his ring back. Crow is just devastated, and he has her imprisoned. And Gregor's like, I hate it to be the one to tell you. Crow just punches him right in the face. <laughs> it's just orders Krager to attack Wayne Manor and leave no one alive. In the meantime, the League is looking at a, commu- a computer sim of the bypass generator and and what it's going to do to Earth. And uh, Bruce says, hmm, ingenious. Clark then says, yeah, I'm impressed. Let's go wreck it. <laughs> you never, ever hear awesome stuff like that from Superman. That yeah. was awesome. Superman being a badass. Nice. <laughs> and I love because he, he, he's taking the glasses off as he's saying it, too. Yeah. You know he's getting ready to rip the, the coat open and everything. Mm-hmm. But... Green Lantern's like, what, what, it's behind a force field. And Bruce says, yes, but the force field is controlled from the command ship. So he tells them to go shut it down, and he'll take care of the generator itself. Which, again, we have to remember, is the size of a city. Right. And Flash is like, what are you going to do, throw a batarang at it? Batman says, or Bruce, I should say, says something like that. Which is really interesting when you see what he does later on. It's like he already knows what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Thus proving that he's always ten steps ahead of everybody else in the room. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, hmm, what is he planning? And then you sort of forget about the line, 
And then when you see it a second time and you remember what he does, you're like, oh, man, he had it all planned out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he just takes command of the situation, mm-hmm. as, even after the, the awesome fight we're about to get. And speaking of which, outside, uh, the Hawk soldiers, led by Krager, burst through the wall of the manor, and they just kind of shove Alfred aside. He's, Alfred, just like, put like put up your dukes, basically, <laughs> and they just shove him aside. Oh, poor Alfie. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's lucky they didn't just shoot him. Right, yeah. I mean, really. But they, uh, the soldiers burst into the cave, and... They are met by some very angry superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Lantern slices a bazooka in half, and yeah, we get several awesome moments where I mean, Flash crushes a couple of them underneath the giant penny. Yeah. And uh, I hope that thing's hollow, because if not, ooh, Elmer's gonna have a mess to clean up. Yep. <laughs> but after a few minutes of fighting, we see Batman, and he hurls several flashing batarangs at three soldiers, and they all lodge in their chest plates. One of them says, your weapons are pitiful. Batman just kind of stands there and retorts, wait for it. Suddenly, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of bats fly out from the darkness and start ripping these people to shreds. Yeah, it's brutal. You actually see them biting down and scratching. It's nasty. Yep. Wow. (laughs) This is, again, one of the I would have to say is in one of the five most badass moments in all of DCAU lore. Yeah. I just love all the bad eyes opening up behind Batman before the yes, bats and the fly piano out. and the piano that happens when it, when their eyes open up. Just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly it's a year one homage and, Oh yeah. yeah but it, it's awesome. So uh, they, again, they're, they're getting ripped to shreds. <laughs> Lastly, we see Superman uh, taking on, I don't think it was Krieger. Was it, or was it Krieger? It's hard to tell because it looks like him, but then later later on, Krieger's outside. Right. So, I'm just wondering, did you frost him? Because what they, happens is... Yeah, they might know, have. But I'm sorry, yeah, to say what happens. Yeah, I mean, it, Superman just tosses this guy into the glass case, which is encasing the Mr. Freeze gun. And by the way, they I do, think the Grey Ghost costume is in the background. I would not be at all surprised. Yeah. Because, we, you know... Scarface gets blasted. Poor Scarface! No! Mr. Scarface! But he's still intact. It's yeah, I know, just the case gets intact. busted up. Yeah. yeah. So the dude grabs the freeze gun and tries to shoot Superman, but Superman blows it right back at him and it freezes the guy solid. Yeah. That's it. The Hawk soldiers are all defeated. Yeah. And so they, they all just leave the cave and they walk into the the foyer, I guess the living room or foyer of Wayne, Man- uh, Wayne Manor there, and Alfred's sweeping up glass. He's like, mind the glass, sir. <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> God, I love Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> this is like I was saying earlier. Batman takes command of the situation. He has every single step planned out here. He says, I want you, Superman and Wonder Woman, that, and you, meaning Green Lantern, to go to the command ship and do whatever you can to shut down the force field. And then John's like, and the rest of us? You're going to help me retake the Watchtower. And uh, Flash is like, it's crawling with Thanagarian soldiers. How are we going to get inside? So Bruce says, with that, the Thanagarian ship sitting on the Wayne Manor lawn. So they go into the ship, and they're in the cockpit, and Jean says, I have no idea how to fly this vehicle. Flash takes it upon himself to just press a random button, which blows a hole in the wall of Bruce's house. I love Alfred just ducking. <laughs> yeah, he's still sweeping up glass. And then Bruce just leans over to him. That's not helping. That's probably 
the cartooniest thing they've done in Justice League. Just the way Batman looks and the way his teeth are gritted. It's very like Warner Brothers style cartoons. <laughs> but it Flash, works. It and Flash works. too, because Flash is like yeah. his, his lips his bottom lip is clenched under his top lip. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe they threw that in to just add a kind of very cartoony, lighthearted moment to this otherwise very dark three-part story. <laughs> yes. I mean, but it works. I mean, come on. You know, because you know Batman. Yes. <laughs> if John weren't in that spaceship, I think Batman would have actually broken his rule. You know? <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> John just is like, I need one of the Hawkmen. Yeah. And the unfortunate volunteer happens to be Krager. Mm-hmm. And... uh Krager's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Go fuck yourself. He's like, I'd sooner choke on your bones. Mm-hmm. And so Flash is like, oh, okay. How about starting with mine? So he raises his fist about to just beat his face into a bloody pulp. And uh, Sean's like, we're running out of time. Look, I'll take the information from him. Mm-hmm. Flash is like, well, wait a minute. I thought you said you couldn't read their minds. And Jean has a badass moment here. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he grabs Krager's head and he says, I'll just have to try harder <laughs> he he then enters Krager's mind and he actually like rips it's like he rips open his the shell of his mind it's yeah. kind of gruesome yeah. and uh inside this is very cool because you, you might not catch this if you if you're not paying attention but he flies past two statues one is of Talek and one is of himself they're standing proudly next to one another and on the ground is a crumbled Shira statue. It's very, very cool. That's because Traeger's gay. I was thinking about that, but then you could also... Because they, they mention, not that he's gay in the commentary, but they say that, you know, Krager thinks of himself as as important as Talek. And so, but See, I, know, it goes I, beyond I, again, that. Yeah, Be- I, I think that too. Because really. if you look at every time he's with Shira... Yeah, he's antagonizing her because he knows she's gone native, that she now loves the the human beings and she really doesn't want to do these things. So, yeah, he knows that about her. But then look at him in the scenes with her and uh, and I just lost it again. Rotalic. Yeah. Uh, And he's manipulating them because he's jealous of her and her relationship with him. They never outright say it, but all the clues are there, and that's the biggest one. The two statues, shoulder to shoulder, and the Shaira statue, just completely in ruins. He's he, he's a homosexual, and he's in love with his commanding officer. Yep, I I am right there with you. I yeah, agree. Yeah. I thought of that when I when I saw that. I was like, yeah, the, most definitely. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Jean enters a temple. And he's attacked by hundreds upon hundreds of hawks. And the damage they're doing to him in Krager's mind is actually showing up on his physical body. Yeah, it's very Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yes. Even Batman is freaked out by this. He manages to get away. He flies up to a shrine and tips over this massive, massive fire pit. And uh, and this symbolizes that he has conquered Krager's mind, and it just renders the dude catatonic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't come back, does he? Comes back in jail, you. Yep. Oh no, no, no! I meant in this episode. Oh, Krager. No, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's yeah. gone. He's down for the count. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because I know when they do the episode with the real Hawk Man, that's when he comes back, right? Um. Or there's no. at least a Krager-like yeah. character. 
in the flashback sequence that shows the tragic relationship between Shaira and Carter, right? Yeah, well, there's three episodes in question here. The first one where Hawkman first appears is the is where Batman is there helping uh, Shaira, and that's where he, he's like telling Hawker, "Look, this dude's a stalker." Mm. And then the next one in this chain of events is Hunter's Moon, where Vixen, Hawk Girl, and some other heroes, I think, have to go to this... I think Supergirl is in there, too. They have to go to this world, and it's all a ruse by the woman who electrocuted Jean in the first episode, and a partially, I want to say, retarded Krager. Oh. Because, like, it's a, it's all a ruse for this... Like, he's man, this woman is manipulating Krager into... Uh, like killing all these heroes, it's it's it, I, it's one of those few episodes where I really don't know very much about it because I've only seen it once or twice. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar at all to me. And then the third one is the one where Shadow Thief comes back and is trying to kill Green Lantern to reunite himself with Hawkman's body since they're one and the same person. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize there were three episodes that revisited the Hawk People stuff. I thought. There were two. Really, what it boils down to is season five of J- or yeah, I guess that's the, la- the very last season of JLU is very much a hot girl centric season, very much so. But anyway, yeah. getting back to this, Jean heals from the the wounds, and he says, "I have what we need." And they leave in the ship, and Alfred walks outside and says, "I've asked Master Bruce to refrain from leaving trash <laughs> in the yard." <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> yes. We cut to the mothership. Her, uh, Ro confronts Shaira in her holding cell and demands to know if she loves him or Green Lantern. And she doesn't answer the question. And she's again, all she's doing is just begging Ro to not destroy the human race. Please don't do it. And Ro is so angry, he just doesn't, he doesn't want to hear any of it. And meanwhile, Jean disguises himself as Krager and uh, gets into the watchtower docking bay where. Uh, he and Flash and Batman attack and defeat all the soldiers there. And while this is going on, the rest of the League starts to attack the gargantuan armada of Hawk soldiers in their attack ships, and they begin their assault on the mothership. On the Watchtower, uh, they've, find, they've conquered all the, the uh, soldiers there, and Flash asks Batman what his secret weapon is, and Batman says, you're standing in it. And Flash is like, wait. You're going to... And then Batman's like, take the Watchtower out of orbit and drop it right on top of their little science project. <laughs> so they get all of the Hawk soldiers to the escape pods, and you know, while Flash and Jean are distracted, Batman shuts them in the escape pod and sends it towards Earth. And here we get... you know, I know one of your favorites and one of my favorite okay. moments in all of DCAU lore, and Jean freaks out and he's like, what are you doing? And Batman gives his famous speech, I can't risk having the Watchtower burn up on reentry. I'll have to guide it in manually. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. I can't watch that line without welling up. It's, watch, hear that line, but watch that scene, you know. There's two scenes in this episode that do it to me. One of them comes really close to making me cry. It's not this one, but I do well up with this one. Because, you know, Batman honestly believes this is it for him. And, uh, you know, if it weren't for Batman Beyond and us knowing that Batman survives, 
you could honestly buy that Batman's going to buy the farm here. Um, I will say, John really could have phased out of the spaceship, shot back into the satellite, and done it himself. Like, and brought back, because can John phase other people if he's touching them? Yeah, he can, can't he? Um, I don't remember. Okay. don't. Well, if he can, he could have grabbed Batman, got him to the shuttle, phased him in there, and then done the whole thing himself, you know? But I think he understands that maybe Batman really is the best person for this job. Maybe he never told anybody that you could pilot the satellite. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, that's, I'm leaning towards that. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it's it's not only the the way the line's delivered, the line itself, but the way Flash, like, just freaks out and sits down. He can't do anything. There's, I mean, there's literally nothing he can do. You gotta believe he's crying. His back's to us, but you know he's crying. It's so moving. Would you say a top five moment in all of DCAU? Um, oh yeah, definitely. I don't know where I would put it in the top five, but it's, yeah, it, it's in there. Ditto. I couldn't live with myself if I left that out of my top five. It's just so amazing. So, Wonder Woman and Superman are fighting outside the mothership, and uh, Green Lantern breaks inside with some constructs. Finally, some Green Lantern constructs. <laughs> yeah, what's he with using, a, a drill or something? Some gigantic drill. <laughs> yeah. And he breaks right into the main ship uh, to look for the force field generator switch. And the uh, soldiers are like, all, all of him will be uh, soldiers to engineering deck. And Rose like, no, Green Lantern is mine. <laughs> so Diana then hurdle, or hurls this one ship into the windshield, I guess, of the, of the mothership. And then shoves it right into the cockpit. No, the Superman throws it into the window. Oh, right. And then, and then she what? flies into the ship and pushes it through. <laughs> yep, that's right. It's a that's great right. teamwork. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. They're too well organized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Superman is left outside to keep attacking all of these thousands of ships while Diana and Green Lantern are inside doing their things. And Diana makes her way through, the, through hundreds of soldiers. And we see Shire's cell room again and some uh, soldiers running by the door, they all run by, they all get just punched immediately right back the way they came. And we see Diana, who has a sword now, and uh, she looks into the room and sees Shaira, and she just looks at her, stares a hole through her, and says, I should leave you to burn. (laughs) She then slices the control panel with the sword and frees her, and then just leaves her to do whatever she will. Yeah. Yeah. What were we saying earlier about some badass Diana moments? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of them. Oh, we got yeah. another one coming up, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Lantern breaks into the room he's looking for, but Talek is waiting there for him. And we get an awesome animation moment here with him in the shadow just hovering down. And he has a, an axe, and Hero's like, this is what you came for, right? <laughs> and so or he says, you know, if you want it, come and take it. And then... Uh, Green Lantern's like, it'll be my pleasure. So he start, he shoots at him with the ring, and he's like, no, this won't be the like, like the last time you took something that belonged to me. Green Lantern retorts with, anything I took was freely offered. Maybe you should take better care of your stuff. Okay, now... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great line, but I do take issue with them referring to Hawkgirl as something that's 
can be possessed. Well, at this point, both of them hate her. <laughs> no, I, I understand that, but, you know, you don't possess another person. You don't. I mean, you may say, oh, that girl over there, she's mine, you know, or you're my girl. But you don't mean, literally, that you own, you know, but, like, you own it, like it's an object. But these two are referring to her as an object, and I hear that, and I'm like, yeah, it's a good line, but it still kind of bothers me. <laughs> Again, not enough to take a point off. I'm just saying. I don't know. There's something about it. Never sits right with me. They start fighting, and Hro very quickly gets the upper hand on uh, GL. While this happens, the Thanagarians begin the activation of the generator. Which we should they... say looks like a swastika. Yes. Just with I a know... giant circle in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I noticed it too. <laughs> um, so, well, I mean, they are they did institute martial law. They pretty much are fascists. Yeah. So, there you go. So we have a ton of quick cuts to the various action scenes going on. So I'm going to try and keep this all in order, but I may get something out of out of sequence here. So forgive me. But anyway, Talek does get the upper hand on GL, and Green Lantern comes back and knocks him for a loop into this control panel, and he tries to cut through the force field with his ring, but Talek sneaks up behind him, and if you listen really closely, he just says mistake. Mm-hmm. And then he slashes the ring in half with the axe and, bre- <laughs> and breaks Green Lantern's hand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even really the worst thing that happens to <laughs> no. GL here. No. But I'll get to that in a minute. Green Lantern, he's just easily taken down from here. He has no chance against this guy who really does have super strength. I mean, he is a Thanagarian. Yeah. So he starts getting the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. And Crow is about to finish him off with the axe, but Shire arrives with a mace and begs Ro not to kill him. It's, you know, he's saying, you're a soldier, you're not a murderer. She then gets punched right in the face. And I think it's, they note this in the commentary, but the, the gentleman who did Talek's voice, Victor Rivers, I believe is his name, is a, he's a staunch advocate for uh, women's rights mm-hmm. and for helping battered women. And uh, he really had a very difficult time doing this scene where he has to, you know, you know, yell at Shayer and have his character be, you know, just beat her up, really. Yeah. Oh, were you No, I, I was just going to say that in this whole story, they don't, and pardon the pun, pull punches when it comes to abuse against women. I mean, of course, there's this scene, which is brutal beyond belief to both John and Shayera. But earlier uh, in the first part, the Flash punches. The, the the woman in the white outfit when she's doing whatever she's I think it's like right after she's attacked John yeah or something and okay here I, I want to make sure I word this in a way that it doesn't come off like I'm a misogynist okay <laughs> I'm not a damn fisher <laughs> I, I'm glad they left that scene in there and they actually showed the flash hit her. And here's why not because I want to see a man hit a woman or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at, but I am tired of, Oh, the woman can only fight the woman. It's like, look, these are bad people. Gender be damned. They're bad people. So, and the flash has to take her down because she's trying to kill his buddies. And that they left it in there, I thought was very gutsy. Yep. In the meantime, Hero and uh, Shaira begin to fight there. But in the meantime, Batman is guiding the Watchtower to Target, and he contacts Superman and 
says, look, we're, we're cutting it close. Have you shut the, the generator off yet or the force field down yet? And Superman says, not yet, but where are you? <laughs> and Batman says, aboard the watchtower, guiding it to target. And, and Superman's like, get the fuck out of there. Are you mad? But he's like, he's seriously, you know, he's like, that's insane. Get out of there. Bruce says, negative, I'm staying. And then the, the comlink goes dead from all the, the massive heat. And the, the, uh, it's just, the comlink is dead. Super, Superman's just like, no, Batman. And he flies up into the sky to try to save him. And we go back to the talik Shaira fight. Shaira gets her, her licks in, but Talik just brutally, brutally beats her. And then it seems like Shaira might have broken through and gotten through to him. Look, don't. it's not about him or us. or It's about these people. Don't kill them all. Please find another way. He then... Looks like he lets up, but then, nope, he takes the axe, puts it right into her abdomen, and electrocutes her. Yowza. Wow. And he, then he grabs her by the hair and just throws her to the ground. She's out. Mm-hmm. Lantern gets up, and he further gets the shit beat out of him. And the final scene where he where he starts to taunt Talek, he's <laughs> like, he is so messed up. I mean, my God. He, he looks like he just went 12 rounds with Superman. Yeah. 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 He looks like, like Apollo and Rocky at the end of the first Rocky film, you know, yeah. just yep. sw- busted nose, swollen eyes. His lips are all just fucked up. Cause he's, I mean, he's just been beat to shit. <laughs> his hand and his arm are broken too. Mm-hmm. It's he's trying to fight left-handed, but you mm-hmm. know, that arm's messed up as well. Oh God. <laughs> but he still has enough strength to, like I said, to taunt Talek, saying, my grandma hits harder than you. <laughs> so so Talek activates the axe again and runs at him, and he swings the axe right into the, the force field protecting the switch, and he just gets fried. He is utterly fried, and it launches him across the room into another you know, computer console, and he's out for the count now, and John and Shaira do manage to deactivate the force field. And it's only with Shire's help that this is able to happen because John can't push it down with just his left, his fucked up left arm. Shire goes over and helps him deactivate the force field. And this is happening while the watchtower enters the stratosphere and Batman passes out from the intense heat and smoke filling the, the rapidly disintegrating watchtower. Uh, but soups breaks in Saves him in the nick of time as the watchtower crashes on top of the bypass generator, causing a, a mushroom cloud that can probably be seen for about five or six hundred miles. Yeah, and uh, it might be the biggest explosion in all of all of the DCAU, if you think about it. But after it's over, I mean, Superman lifts up a piece of debris, and Batman's there, and he's like, "Always have to be the hero, don't you?" And Batman says, "Right back at you." It's a great little moment shared between those two. It really is. It's it's a great quip. And we cut back to the mothership, and some soldiers prepare to attack Jill and Shaira, who are now completely defenseless. But Diana bursts in, and it's like, she just like throws like 20 soldiers off of her and just says, who's next? <laughs> yeah. And then all these soldiers prepare to go and attack her, which is a suicide mission, I guess, but... um. Pro gets up, and he is fucked up beyond all belief. He has got burns all over him. His, uh, he's got gashes in his face, even more than he did before. No, 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 no. no. He wanted a gash in his face. 
You know? Is that the crudest thing I've ever said on this show? <laughs> I don't I don't really know, but it, you know, it, you'd think I'd be used to it at this point. <laughs> but alas, you managed to one up yourself, sir. <laughs> Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, at this point, Hro you know, he's like just lower your weapons. There's no point in fighting. Our mission's a failure. Everything is just a, a disaster. We have no reason to fight anymore. Let them go. He and Shaira basically tell each other to go fuck themselves and die. And they, Diana, Hawkgirl, and uh, GL leave the ship together. <laughs> and I should note that Crow getting electrocuted like that was an homage to Goldfinger. Oh, okay. And okay, yeah. With the uh, odd job, uh, the way Bond takes down odd job. Hmm. And um, next, we go back to Wayne Manor and the the League is discussing what to do about Shaira. Diana's like, she. we know how Diana's voting. Yeah. You know? So she's yelling in favor of, you know, ousting her from the League. But Jean, ever the calm one, is like, look, she's a pariah to her people. We're all she has left. And uh, and Flash ag- agrees. She's like, uh, He's like, you know, she, she came through for us like she always does. She was in the no- ultimate no-win situation. What would you expect her to do? And Green Lantern sits there silent. He's the only one who doesn't talk during this scene. Because Superman's like, yeah, I understand what you guys are saying, but I don't know if I could ever trust her again. Batman's like, look, we're arguing in circles. It's time to take a vote. But outside the, the room, while this is going on, Alfred is talking with Shaira. And he's like, look, I'm neither a soldier nor a superhero. But so. he was a soldier. Yeah. A little bit of a mistake, but we'll forgive it. And it was, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he forgot. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, you know, if I, if I may be so bold, I'm neither a soldier nor a superhero, uh, I, so I can't judge you on those terms and like like that. But I do know that, you know, without you and all of your sacrifices that you've made, they wouldn't be here now. We would we would have perished long ago, and we, w- might, we would have perished in this war between us and Thanagar. He says in his eyes... She will always be a hero, no matter what anybody else says. Awesome, awesome way to for Alfred to leave the DCAU. Yeah. And he does have one more line, but it's just, you know, saying uh, they've made their decision. Right. But, yeah. but before that, this is just such an awesome, awesome speech. Yeah. Love it. And Ephraim Zimbalist, too. Again, mm-hmm. just he, until Michael Caine came along, he was my definitive Alfred. And he really still is, I think. Even... Michael Caine was awesome in the in so far in the two uh, Nolan Batman films, but really Ephraim Zimbalist was the first Alfred that I knew because of BTS and beyond. Just great stuff. You know what? I'll be honest. I've kind of liked all the Alfreds to a certain extent. Uh, the but ne- I mean, I, I'm saying the definitive. Oh no 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 no! no. I, I'm I'm not really disagreeing with you there. I'm just saying I think throughout the ages, you know, from the '60s TV show to the Burton Schumacher films, to the DCAU, and then all the way up to the Nolanverse, Alfred's been portrayed really well. I mean, they've made some poor choices with him. Vicky Vale, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Alfred's always been... They, they've done him justice for the most part, I feel. But no, definitely this is the definitive Alfred, yes. After several more minutes, they do summon her to the room where they were debating and voting and before they can hand down their decision though Shaira says that look 
she can't ask them to suffer through what she did. That being that she was torn between her duty and her feelings. So she resigns from the Justice League, effective immediately. And then she just starts to walk away. But Flat, you know, Flash walks up to her and hugs her. So we know how he voted too. And that's the moment that that's the other moment that makes me cry. The Flash walking up to Shaira and hugging her. Yep. Just he doesn't say anything to her. Because it just shows you, yeah, when it's when the show started out, the Flash was just hitting on every piece of ass that walked in front of his face. And, you know, so yeah, initially he had a crush on her. But then throughout the course of the show, it became very clear that they had a very brother-sister relationship going on here. And this is that exclamation point, saying, see, see, this this is how these two feel about each other. God, he goes through so much in this episode, in this story. You know, his his identity is compromised. He thinks Batman's going to die. He doesn't know if he's ever going to see Hawkgirl again. The team's voting against her. You know, like, oh, my God, he's he's a wreck. And you just feel it right there. He needs that hug as much as she does. Yep. And it's all there on the screen. And I swear, every time I see this, I have to bite my lip to stop from crying really is a great moment and i should note that again going back to that uh speech by alfred it was not only a wonderful way for them to send off alfred but they really needed those lines in there because if we didn't have alfred giving that speech i think it would have been really hard for the general audience to forgive shaira for what she did or i mean at least it would it would have been really really hard mm-hmm. so again i i need to mention that yeah. but uh, anyway getting back to this um yeah, Flash hugs her, and again, like you said, they don't even say a word, and she she leaves. And outside the manor overlooking the ocean, GL walks out, and he's, I mean, he's got a broken arm, and he's got a black eye, and he says, what are you going to do next? And she just says she doesn't know, and John then asks if their relationship was a lie, too, and Shaira turns around and bluntly says, I love you. It was never... There was it was never a lie, and she flies off into the sunset. John says, "Just says, I love you too," and thus ends Justice League. Yeah. So, final thoughts. I don't know. I can't do this episode justice in summation. I mean, I'm really, I'm really, really bad at giving summations. I, I make no bones about that. But especially something as epic as this, it was so, so sad. It has so many moments that we all remember, you know, you, me, and everybody else on the forums that we just talk about, you know, we talk about great DCAU moments. We reference this episode more than almost any <laughs> other other episode right, because it's yeah. got so many, so many memorable moments in it. And every single Justice Leaguer shined at least once or twice mm-hmm. in this in this three-parter. Yeah. So, you know, just props to the creators, to McDuffie and the crew, and uh, for crafting such an amazing really storyline because this was building for many many episodes before this fuck i don't don't even know what to say please jump in well one of the things that i commend them for here is it would have been all too easy to have brought dark side back and made him the big bad villain of the end of the justice league but they didn't go that route. They took a chance, and they built this storyline around Hawkgirl. And you only notice that the storyline's building upon a second and third viewing of the season, really. And they introduce a whole new set of villains 
untested in the DCAU. That's a big risk. And it paid off mightily. Well, speaking of risks, I mean, look at all the risks they took in this episode for the first time in their in the longevity of the DCAU. Women getting punched by men on screen, mm-hmm. and you had the in, the inside of a creature's body <laughs> yeah. with Batman dissecting it on screen, yeah. and all kinds of just brutal violence happening throughout. They took dozens upon dozens of risks here, and it, like you said, they all did pay off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just really trying to think of what else to say about this that we haven't said <laughs> during the full recording so far. <laughs> and I, I just don't know. I mean, you you were saying, you know, m- much praise to, like, McDuffie and, and the crew. I mean, obviously we have to give a lot of praise to the voice cast as well. Of course. I mean, as we noted, everybody is given something to do. And they excel at it. No one's mailing it in. I mean, I don't think I ever felt that the voice cast was mailing it in throughout Justice League. Pretty much throughout the entire DCAU, I don't think I've ever felt that way. But in this episode, you could just feel, not just tell, but feel that when they saw this script, they were like, wow, they realized what this was, how big this was. And they just went above and beyond even probably what they thought they could do as actors, and they brought these characters and this story to life. We should note that uh, Maria Canals, that who does, who's done the voice of Hawkgirl, was, she was devastated when she <laughs> found out that uh, she was out of the Justice League. Yeah. And again, they didn't know for certain if it was coming back, yeah. if they were going to be doing more Justice League, but, you know, when they did find out, Yes, we are going to be doing more Justice League down the road. You know, uh, Maria was, she was like, she loved this character. Mm-hmm. She she really did. Uh, I think this was, was her favorite character that she's ever portrayed. And she was just, she was heartbroken. She was crying that she was not going to be able to be in the show anymore <laughs> because Hot Girl is now gone. Yeah. But, and, and again, another person I have to... I have to give props to here is Susan Eisenberg, who does voice of Wonder Woman. I remember at the beginning of Justice League, I was not high on her at all. Yeah. In fact, I, I was kind of disappointed with her her work. But here, <laughs> really, just really great stuff. I mean, with all the badass dialogue, maybe she, maybe it's here because she was given more to work with. She had she could go through a bigger set of emotions. So, uh, yeah, props to her. I was really really pleased with her work here. Phil Lamar. Great as Green Lantern, you know he again he had a ton of emotions to cycle through here, and again and the rest of the cast doesn't even need to be stated. Awesome yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. Do you want to say anything else, or should we score it? I don't think I can say anything else that hasn't been stated by us <laughs> a couple times, maybe two or three times over. Okay. So I think. It's, oh, 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 oh no, I take that back. I have to mention Kiss My Axe. Oh, uh, bad quip. Bad quip. <laughs> bad I'm sorry. Quip, Very much so. <laughs> but you still chuckle at it. You still do. I know you do. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, I, I think it's obvious, but where are you going to score it? As if there was any doubt at all. Ten. <laughs> Fuck. You can't grade this lower than a ten. Throughout, you know, I had a couple of quibbles with it, like the timeline thing and the frozen liver, and you know what I mean? Yeah. But. Really, by the time you get to the end of it, you just you just forget all those minor little problems you had with it. And yeah, yeah, it's absolutely a perfect 10. They've been in there a long time. Yes, miss, they have. If I may be so bold, I'm neither a superhero nor a soldier. 
So I'm hardly qualified to judge your actions by those standards. But I do know this. Without the great sacrifices you've made, we wouldn't be here to share this nice pot of tea. Whatever they decide in that room, in my eyes, you'll always be a hero. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's earth-2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss the first six episodes of Teen Titans. Those being Divide and Conquer, Sisters, Final Exam, Forces of Nature, The Sum of His Parts, and Nevermore. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Thank you.